If I want to welcome you here tonight to Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Live 365, iHeartRadio, the Horror Shows edition for October. We have the one and only Judith O'Day who played Barbara and the iconic Night of the Living Dead, the greatest zombie film ever made. And it really set the standards for the horror genre. Top five horror movie. It's a Halloween tradition every year. Judith, welcome to the show. How is your night going? Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you, Max. It's good to be here. Thank you so much. I see you have the poster in the background. Is that is that <coughs> one of the original prints? That a fan sent me. It is a, an original theatrical poster. Wow. Amazing. No, that's I definitely... That's just a, that's one of the rare gems right there. How's your October been, especially going to conventions? I know this is the time of year for a lot of the actors that have been in iconic horror films. You know, it's been wonderful. I've spent more time scuba diving under the water, but uh, I'll be leaving in just a few days for the UK. Oh, We're wow. going to have Weekend of the Dead, which should be absolutely wonderful. Wow. 55 years this upcoming year. Can you believe it? I, I, I have, no, I cannot believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the 50th was a big deal, but I think for the 40th is when the cast and crew got back together to make the documentary for the film. We did, and uh, we did that, that was in Texas. I remember Dallas, Texas, and uh, was it Billy, Billy Bob, no, Billy Bob Riggs. And we just had a wonderful time. We also did the 25th Zombie Jamboree anniversary in Pittsburgh, which really was the, the first time that I realized that the film was growing uh, a fan base I had no idea about. <laughs> it has such a huge following to this day. And my memory goes back to when I was about four or five. I remember because everything is photographic from when I remember things. And I remember getting these this DVD pack of House on Haunted Hill and Night of the Living Dead and watching it when I was like four or five. Because I started out when I was younger because I wasn't allowed to watch all the rated R films. So I had to start out with the black, the classic black and white films. And I remember watching this and just being stunned at the end of it. It's one of those films that just stuck with me. I wasn't really terrified. It didn't give me nightmares, but it, no. I remember it bothering me. <laughs> Well, I'm awfully glad it did. <laughs> it bothered a lot of people. <laughs> it, 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 it's almost like when you really watch it, it's almost like a documentary. Yes, that's exactly what I call it, sort of a docudrama. It, it, and it relates to the times that we've been going through now, especially with COVID-19, because oh. I know everyone goes and watches the pandemic movies. And when you watch it, it's so relatable to, to the times we're going through today. Oh, it is. And, and uh, also racially, uh, yeah. that's to me one of the most wonderful parts about the film is that there is no big deal made about the fact that Ben is a black man and Barbara is a white woman. And I, I think that is absolutely wonderful that George did it like that. It, it was groundbreaking. And I know with, with Dwayne in the scene where he slaps you, he didn't want to do it originally. How did you guys prepare for that scene? Because I know he didn't want to be viewed a certain way because of that. You're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, the script called for me to slap him three times before he <laughs> gives me the, the fist. He, he said to George, I, I, cannot, I cannot do that. I, I can do one slap and then... I knock her out, but I, I couldn't be hit three times. Yeah. So George just immediately changed it. 
where do you see it? <laughs> he had the first, it, it was groundbreaking in the sense as well, because he was the first black actor to have a lead in a horror film as well. So that made history. It, it did. And he was the best to audition, Max. And it, you always try to get the best. And that's what George did. As well as you. And before we get really diving into the film here, because you always wanted to be on the stage, you were doing musicals at the Pittsburgh Playhouse, but the stage was something that you always want to do from a young age. Always. I can remember when I was a kid, even before school, I'd sit on my great grandmother's porch steps and I'd rock and I'd sing, I'd pretend. So it's always, always been a part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember your first play that you did? I, I did. It was an equity company coming through, and it wasn't, it was back in Ohio. Equity company coming through and doing the Snow Queen. They wanted to have some young people from the local area. I went in and auditioned for it. I even remember my line. Ready? This is the Snow Queen's palace. Cold, cold. Where are we going? Where did we come from? Always cold. <laughs> that was a groundbreaker, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. <laughs> Most actors that I speak to who've been in these horror films always tell me I was scared of these horror films. I wasn't a big horror fan coming into it. It just so happens to be you're also one of those actors because House of Wax in 1953 3D was the one that terrified you with Vincent Price. My parents had no idea what that movie was about when they <laughs> took my sister and myself to, to the film. I was so disturbed about it that I literally grabbed them and pulled them out of the theater. <laughs> and from then on, I'd have these terrible nightmares. Poor mother would have to get up in the middle of the night. We'd sit on the edge of the, the tub and she'd say, it's all right. It's not real. You don't have to worry. But using the fear that I had, and I still have to this day because I can see Vincent Price's face, that burnt face. I used that when we were doing the film, Night of the Living Dead. It was a wonderful way to get myself churned up. But then Bill Heinzman really helped so much. He was so relentless in his attacks that you couldn't help but be terrified. <laughs> and that's in the opening cemetery scene. You call him zombie number one. And I, I've done some research on that scene because apparently the rock, when he's hitting the, the window with the rock, it slipped out of his hand and hit the camera when George was on the seat. <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty mm, kind of... But we had a ball, and it scared me to death. <laughs> he you set the standard. One of my favorite scenes, Max, is where you see the, the car that I've released the handbrake, and I run into the tree. You know the story behind that, don't you? The, the car was actually damaged, and George A. Romero had to write it into the script. Exactly right. In fact, uh, I think the the car belonged to Russ and uh, the producer's Gary mother, Ryan and his mom. Yeah. And they, when they drove it home that night, something happened. There was an accident. They got smashed. George wrote it in. To this day, I look at how he filmed that. It looks so real, as if I had just <laughs> right into the, the tree. 
It, it does. I yeah. never knew that until I did my research because I thought that that's how it actually happened by running into the right. tree. And it, George pulled it off and just one of the all-time greats. And he was amazing on the set. I heard he taught you how to load film into the film bag. Yes, you really have been doing some research. <laughs> that was a thrill. Although I must admit, I got a, a bit nervous about it because we didn't have a lot of money to make this film, as you well know. You don't want to waste any kind of film stock. No. <laughs> so I was so careful getting that lined up. <laughs> but I, it was wonderful working with George that way. He, he was definitely someone that was really calm and collected on the set. And in with you getting the audition, because you originally wanted to go out to California to pursue film, and Carl Hardman, you already knew him. You had a friendship with him. He called you back within less than a year for you to come back home to audition in Pittsburgh for it. Exactly right. He said, George, Russ, um, Gary, Jack Russo, going to make a film. Would you like to come back and audition? I just jumped right on a plane and <laughs> left Hollywood, <laughs> came home to Pittsburgh to make a film that to this day is entertaining people. I cannot believe it. It's one of the all-timers. It's a Halloween tradition, and it's just one of those classics that has just surpassed cult status, and it's a fan favorite at conventions. It's it, it's It belongs in that class of where people just consider horror movies horror movies. It's above that now because it just how much it's been, especially Martin Scorsese and Lucasfilm and getting in the, the museum. Amazing. Yes. That, that was just a godsend. It enabled us to receive a copyright, finally, from the federal government for, for that version. And now, over the last, since that happened in 2017, since then, we have been making royalties that we never, ever saw in all those decades up to that time. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. It's always insane to hear these stories, especially when I've spoken with some of the cast members of the Texas Chainsaw. They have gone through the similar instances as well because they lost all their money. I think they sold their, their movie rights to the mafia and the mafia took all the money from the film. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't get involved with the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember how your audition went? Because I know when you played Barbara, how it was written on the script. Well, first of all, I never got to read a script. I never read a complete script. George and Jack Russo were in the midst of, of writing it. While we were shooting, they would be writing, fine tuning. We'd come on set in the morning. George would then outline what it was he wanted us to do. So not very often did I see script pages. I did on a lot of occasions, but not not that often. Most of it was ad-libbed, especially the scene where you're talking with Ben and it's your monologue in the living room. You're telling him what happened and the, oh, Johnny, help me scene. You're right. That, in fact, when we filmed that, it was all improv. I, it, it hit me so hard. I just uh, got into that scene so much that I can remember just snot coming out my nose. I was crying and upset. When we finished, Gary Streiner, who was doing the sound uh, at that point, said, 
I think we're going to have to do it again. I don't know if I really got that take. So indeed, we did it again. You know, we didn't often do a lot of retakes on scenes because we didn't have a lot of money to do that. We didn't have uh, enough stock to do take after take after take. But I, we did it again. But in the movie, what you see is the actual first tape that we did. They were able to get the sound and we didn't have to use the second one. <laughs> that's amazing, especially that it's the first cut. I never knew that. And that's important yeah. piece of history yeah. right there. But the sound in this film as well, it really builds the atmosphere, especially at the end when the zombies start coming into the house. And then that the sound when which... Helen's getting stabbed with the, oh. the shovel. That sound just sticks with you the first time you see it. I remember that sound bothering me the first time I saw it. That, that killing it bothers me to this day. Yeah. How often do you see a young kid getting her mother with a, a cement trowel? Yeah. It, just, it, it was so disturbing, but it was done, in my opinion, it was done so well by George how he set it up with the splashes of, of the paint on the wall, the blood on the wall. I, I thought it was really wonderfully done. And it, to this day, bothers me tremendously. It sticks with you for sure. And with these scenes, because I know with the movie, the, shot, the scenes were shot in two different segments. The, you ended on the cemetery scene. Is that correct? Uh, well, we, we started with the car coming into the cemetery and we did have to go back. I'm, we did two shooting segments, two weeks we shot. Then we took a hiatus in order to make more money to finish the film. We came back, we started in July and August, but we came back in September, October. So we had to be very careful that the, the smoke from the cool air didn't, didn't get on camera. But uh, I, I, I don't know if we did do that, that cemetery in the second half or not. But you know why we did that? Again, why we readdressed that cemetery scene? You tell me. Oh, you know <laughs> I did read online that it was raining at one time. Raining. I must have been lucky. I, I wasn't in that. It wasn't raining. No. Oh, yeah. Please tell us why you had to do the cemetery scene then. Well, if you will recall, when I run to the house and I, I peek around the side and then I run like crazy around the house to get to the front door, I ran so quickly that I lost it and I fell. In falling, wow. I lost my shoe. I still had both of them on at the time. George wanted to use that shot and said, we're going to do something in order for you to lose one of your shoes in the cemetery so that that wouldn't interfere with Ben later on in the house, putting those old slippers onto my feet. So that's why we readdressed the cemetery so that I could fall once again. And that time, of course, it, it was written into the script, lost my shoe, and he was able to make it all look real. 
he's definitely a, a master of his craft and piecing everything together once you uh, hear the complete stories behind this film. He did, and I'd watch him. He would take a piece of cardboard and he'd just rip it and he'd put it on a, a, a stand, a light stand, set up the lights behind it. It would create a, a shadow that he loved. And of course it was all worked into the shooting of the film, but just watching him work was an education for me. This being my first feature film. What a wonderful way to learn. Oh yeah, that it's, it, it's become a piece of iconic history, just being at your first feature film, just that, that that's amazing. And with the scenes that he was able to build, I know one of your favorites is the music box when you touch the top of it and you can see your face through the box just once it opens. Instant, those eyes that you see of barbers and then little doors close. How many horror films set up that kind of artistic shot? Not many. I loved it. Especially when you're going to the to the railing under the stairs where the blood from the corpse is coming down too. That's just also another eerie scene. Good old Bosco. Hershey's <laughs> chocolate. It filmed so well. It did. <laughs> it was so bloody. <laughs> The the, shock, the shocking scene is when you go up the stairs and you see the corpse. I, I always wonder, is that the corpse, is it an actor in makeup or is that a prop? It was, well, you're too young for this, but years and years and years ago, uh, a toy came out that was the visible man and another, the visible lady. It was a plastic body form that had all the insides of a male and then a, a female so that you could understand the workings of the physical body. Well, there was also a skull. They got the living skull. They used dermal wax, which is actually used to fill holes and whatnot in dead bodies if they need that kind of, of care. They did that to put the makeup on and the paint, of course. That's what you see at the top of the stairs. It really came across, I thought, quite well. It, it was effective. And more things learning about this is that you did your own stunts, of course. And I also read online that John Russo and Bill Heinzman, they actually were accidentally, they almost went wrong with the fire scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I was on set for that, but yes. Back then, of course, you didn't have, we weren't a SAG film. Uh, we didn't have all the rules and regs that people now have to follow. So we were lucky that more people were not injured. Yeah. Because we had, you know, they place explosives on people's back when you see them being shot. And that <clears throat> when you, the blood coming out, uh, those were explosives right against people's bodies. Wow. Uh, I, I marveled that more people didn't get hurt. And, and thank God that they didn't. And, and that just shows how much dedication was put into this film. And, and just to see how it's taken off into what we're still talking about it all the, these years later. And it is. It, uh, and again, Back then, so many barriers were broken in that film. 
black man, white woman, uh, young daughter killing the mother, everybody dying in the film. The good people didn't survive. No. I think that that especially was one of the things that, that so frightened young people. Oh my God, nobody's alive. Yeah. We all died. That's definitely George, a fact. George told me decades, we were at a, a, a convention, we were doing a Q&A, which again is another wonderful way for me to learn a lot about my <laughs> own film when George was doing the Q&As. Oh, he thought he were, you were going to be the only survivor. He wanted to make he you the only survivor. You're absolutely right. He was going to have Barbara be the final survivor and that there would be a close-up and a shot of a tear coming down her face after everyone else was killed. It just didn't sit right with him. And I'm so glad it didn't. The film just wouldn't be the same. No, and I all go. No, and it, that that's something that does stick with you. And I, when I look at horror films, I can't think of too many where everyone dies. I think this is one of the oh. only ones. It's not <laughs> the only one. <laughs> I think you're right. What happens in the new Halloween? Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis lives, and Michael Myers is killed off. So you actually have a survivor. <laughs> so Jamie does live. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to stream that on Hulu or wherever it is. <laughs> oh, unbelievable! It, it, with going to just a side note, with going to these conventions, uh, who are some of the actors that you become friends with over the years? Oh, I made a wonderful friend of Noel Neal who played in the Superman television series. Okay. And, and she played the reporter. She, I, I met her at a convention. Her table was very close to mine. We just struck up a wonderful conversation. Over the years, even though we didn't see each other again at conventions, we would write to each other. Every Christmas, we'd send Christmas cards and until the year she passed away, oh. then her agent sent me Christmas cards. Wow. I, I, I was just so, it's going to make me cry. It was wonderful. No, we don't want you crying. <laughs> no, I'm not going to I cry at the drop of a hat. Does, any, oh. does that happen with any of you out there? <laughs> or do you have to be my age to do that? No, I think there's some humane actions still left in this world and in the times that we live in i hope so you know well max i i hope you're right because i have never been so saddened and really uh, a loss of faith in humanity especially yeah. in the united states seeing what's going on i am um, I know we don't want to get into that, but it's a very sad and powerful thing that's happening in our world today. And I hope you, I know that you are right, because I will watch, whether it's documentaries or whether just so many good people in so many walks of life, in the sciences and, uh, and in filmmaking, in, in medicine, so many people are doing good things but we don't seem to want to focus no. on that we just want to tear people down now where did that come from i have no idea and social media plays a big part in it as well and 
I think you're right. Yeah. I wish we can go back to the the days where we didn't have social media and, you know, it just. You know, my parents never locked the door. They never worried that I was going to be kidnapped while playing kick the can out (laughs) out in front of the house. We just didn't live like that. There was compassion. There was caring. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful that I grew up when I did. Definitely. And, if and you I'm could... very grateful that you have the sense uh, to know that what is going on is, is not the best thing in the world. No. And that you too would like to go back to better days. Yeah. Or let's say go forward. We, we've got, we've got to keep going forward and find the goodness again. Especially in making the film during the civil rights era, how could you compare that time with now? Well, there are a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. Fighting so, this, uh, the, the fight over racist teachings and whatnot. You know, we had a very racist country yeah. at that time. There were good people who, who didn't believe it and so many who did working our way through that we still are and i i i hope to god we mature enough to rise above that and realize that all of us pink blue black yellow people all over this country this planet all are one i i believe that we're all a part of that one magnificent energy that created this entire universe. I agree. Didn't mean to get into theosophy there. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have some pictures here. I would love to hear the stories of behind from being on set. I did some research. I always love bringing photography and photojournalism to my shows. And this is the one where I think it's the entire (laughs) cast and crew. I love that shot. Yeah. That was shot in... I think that was one of the the first half of our shooting because it was in summer and it was hot as Hades. I can remember. And we all got out there to have the picture taken. Yeah, it's good to see everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Another one here, I have the cemetery shot as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a story... Not about that specifically, but when we came back, uh, when the chapel, you remember Fix the Chapel that was online, Gary Striner started it. They were going to tear down that chapel that we drive right up to and park in front of that starts the film in the cemetery. They were going to tear that down because it was going into disrepair. Gary thought, oh, no, no, because the film still had such popularity. He went online, started a fix the chapel uh, money raiser. And indeed, that money was raised. The chapel was refurbished. We had the uh, George was there, all of us who were still alive at that time, except for Dwayne. Dwayne had passed in the 80s. But uh, we all got together and there was the beautiful chapel all redone. When that was the first time I had been back to that cemetery since we shot the film. It was 
surreal, if I can use that word. When I walked into that cemetery and saw the monument that I ran to and then saw where Johnny hit his head, I felt if I could just push the air just a little bit, that I could pop, I could pop back in there. That's how it felt to be back in that cemetery. Incredible. Wow. Just like it was yesterday. Yeah. Oh, and there's another story. Really? We had the Le Mans, Pontiac Le Mans. That's what we were driving. Well, I don't know if it was Gary or whomever found another one. It wasn't quite the same color. And it was a standard shift. <clears throat> Drove that up. They wanted Russ to drive me around the cemetery. Uh, Russ, forgive me for telling this story, but Russ wasn't quite sure how to do the standard shift. I don't know if it had been a long time since he had driven it. <laughs> I said, Johnny, step aside. Barbara will take over. I got behind that wheel. <laughs> I just double clutched my way all around the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> They're coming to get you, Barbara, has become one of the all-timer lines as well. And it's iconic. It's right up there with it, it, everyone's entitled to one good scare from Halloween. You need, you're going to need a bigger boat from Jaws. Say hello yeah. to my little friend in Scarface. I mean, no matter how many one-liners there are, <laughs> yeah. it's right up there. It's right up there. I also have another picture here. And I, I, it looks like a picnic. And I, I'm sure you're well aware of the photo. Oh, very much so. And I think maybe that was taken pretty much at the same time. We were all just chatting away in between takes and the like. You don't see many colored photos of us no. all. Uh, it, it's really nice to see that. But we, Carl Hardman was one of the, the nicest people you could ever hope to work with. Marilyn, the same, very dedicated. Dwayne, very seriously minded. He was focused on his career, focused on uh, intellect and intelligence, teaching, etc. cetera. Uh, but we all got on very well together. And I, I think it's evident in our, our smiles with each other. We had <laughs> such a wonderful, wonderful time. I know Dwayne Jones has spoken very highly about the film. I've heard him in post interviews after the film came out, but did you get to speak with him before he passed? No, no, I never saw him again. And I, I couldn't believe yeah. that he had passed so early. Such a loss because he was, you know, he loved theater. He loved yeah. performing. And we recently lost George as well and, and Marilyn. And it's just... And Marilyn. Yeah. And of course, Bill Heinzman. We've yeah. Lost, we've lost uh, Keith Wayne, too, who played Tom. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are not too many of us around. And it, it's a thrill to still be here. But, oh, it hits you hard when one of us goes. Yeah, no, it's iconic cast and crew and do you remember when you first saw this at the premiere because i think it it was it 
first time show to the theater in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. At the Stanley Theater. Yeah. <clears throat> and we had, uh, I can remember having a wonderful uh, premiere pre get together with friends that I have in, had invited to see it. George had arranged to have us picked up at, at my apartment in a limo, they drove us <laughs> down to the theater. I, it, it was, again, the, the word surreal comes into play and it, it just didn't seem quite real. All of that happens out in Hollywood where you walk the, the red carpets, but in Pittsburgh, and there we all were. I remember they lowered the house lights, that uh, the music and watching the car drive into the cemetery. I, uh, I didn't quite know what to expect seeing myself up on screen like that. And, and I was really surprised and taken initially. But to be honest with you, Max, I, I sort of put that aside because I got lost in the storytelling to see how George had edited everything together and how everything moved. You know, there's not a, a lag in that film. It just Enough. goes one to the next to the next. And uh, uh, even to this day, I will often ask people at conventions, do you feel the story holds up today? And definitely, definitely people say, oh, absolutely it does. And of course it resonates. So with what is going on uh, in the world resonates, I should say, with what's happening today. Absolutely. It, it truly resonates. And when you look at these scenes and just they're very impactful when you really look at it and, and your character, I know people always try to say not everyone, but certain people say it's a weak character, but a weak character wouldn't have gotten up at the end and gotten the board and helped fight you, you. And you always say that you needed to just take your character needed to just take time to make use of it. What everything was going on at that, whatever was going on, especially with the, the whole apocalypse was happening. So Barbara had to get everything collected. Well, we'd never seen it before. Yeah, we, we never saw what looked like dead people getting up and walking. Uh, we each handle situations like that in our own unique ways. How Barbara handled it, I felt made perfect sense to me. It, it was a, a comfortable thing for me to do, to go deeper and deeper in to, to think about my brother, to, to try to resolve the fact that I watched him be killed. Uh, I didn't want to believe it. it. It was appropriate at that time in 1968. And yet again, you look at 1992 remake, uh, Tom Savini's and George's remake of the film. Oh, you went to the premiere. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, we had a ball, Patricia Tallman, and we all had a wonderful time. But again, in 92, women were burning bras and they were making themselves known. They were fighting for equal pay. And what about this glass ceiling kind of thing? It was appropriate, possibly, that she grab an Uzi and she takes <laughs> on and, and went out to get them. But not all of us would do that, even. Today, I bet you even today, if we saw something so heinous as, as that, uh, 
we might behave just as I did. I, I thought it was appropriate. I do too. Do you remember when you saw the ghoul? Because they originally called ghouls, and I like that actually better than zombies. Do you remember when the ghouls, when you first saw them in the makeup? Oh, I was fascinated yeah. because we didn't have a lot of money to have makeup people come in. It was Marilyn Eastman did a lot of that makeup. She did my makeup. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd watch everybody getting ready. And uh, it was... And to see Marilyn eat the bug coming to Oh, yeah, that was on the tree. The bug, yeah. and it, it was wonderful. Uh, but I will tell you a story. And, and again, I don't know if you've heard this one, but stop me if you have. Uh, there was a, a dummy, a store dummy up on the second floor where we had the bathroom up on the second floor. If you had to go to the bathroom, do you know the story behind that? No. A, a bucket of water because there was no water in the house. Every time you went to the john, you'd pour in that bucket of water and then you better go back down to the, the little stream and fill up you know, again. <laughs> but we did have on the second floor, a store dummy. A lot of the ghoul makeup was practiced on that dummy. It looked, using Dermawax and, of course, the paints and, and all of it, it, it was so frightening looking that it brought back uh, those thoughts about Vincent Price in the House of Wax. So much so, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's true. There was a stairwell in the kitchen area coming upstairs, and there was the downstairs front door stairwell that came up. So two stairwells coming up. I could not force myself to go up the back stairs because I would have to pass by that made up dummy, the store dummy. And I, 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 I couldn't do it. So I'd always come up the front and get my makeup on and back down. Never heard that story. That's that's interesting. Oh, that that house of wax image really—that scarred you. <laughs> it did. Yeah. I, I was only about seven. Yeah, my dog has <laughs> bashed through the door, and he's he's bringing his uh, his shoe to share with the wax. <laughs> He'll lie down. He'll lie down on the bed and go to sleep. <laughs> oh. But this movie was a huge hit and it made a lot more than it was expected to, especially considering the budget. Oh, yes. It made millions and millions internationally as well as domestically. We did not see very much of that, as you well know. But because of the perseverance of Gary Streiner and especially Jim Sirinella, who is my, my manager, Jim knows more about Night of the Living Dead than I think just about any living person, aside from Gary and Russ, uh, maybe even Jack. But he fought to get legal rights to our images so that now if somebody, well, here you can you see it. I have, oh, the T-shirt. I actually used to have that T-shirt when I was I younger. I love this yeah. T-shirt. But 
if people make a t-shirt like that, they have to call Image 10, they have to get permission and they have to pay royalties for the images of whoever is on the t-shirt. This of course never, never happened until we uh, from 2017 on the fight prevailed for us not only to have the copyright but also to have rights to our own images that for decades, Max, were used in other films. People would take clips from the film. Halloween 2. I remember in 1981 in the living room. None of that. No, nobody paid any royalties on that. But Jim and Gary, Russ, have fought. And now those of us who are left are making a little bit of money. That's great. And I'm glad that you are. It's it's well-deserved, especially it really is a gem when you look back at film history, one of the all-time great movies. And even you speak of merchandise. I remember when I was younger, I received for Christmas the, the set of four figures that released of Ben, Barbara, Helen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Did Graveyard you see the Zombie. I've seen well, those ones. Yeah. Oh, and instead of, you know how girls always have a purse, I had a knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of the other zombie movies that have released since Night of the Living Dead, did they impress you at all? Especially the ones that George made with Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. I hate to admit this, but I didn't get involved in the others watching it. And I, so I cannot be specific about those films. Uh, but other zombie films along the way, when now they're called zombies. Yeah. Um, an example, World War Z. Okay. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed World War Z. Zombieland, I got a, a big kick out of that as well. Um, so, yes, I think, and 28 days. 28, 28 days, days later. later. Yeah. Um, quite powerful, some yeah. of these films. Uh, the, those apocalypse films are. They, they always have a message in them, especially all they all relate back to what we're going through. And it all starts with Night of the Living Dead and just the impact that that film had on yeah. the messages that were going on. Because horror reflects the time that we go through and you see it from then to now. You surely do. None of us ever dreamed that you and I would be sitting here talking in 2022. Um, never, never thought. No. We had hoped that the film would make enough money so that George could go on and make bigger and better films, uh, which of course he, he did in his career. But Night, it is something about Night. Yeah, Night is, it stands alone. And, and speaking of the, the Walking Dead, I know Greg Nicotero originally wanted you to get involved with the Walking Dead to have a, a scene and I, I heard unfortunately you went out to for an audition and unfortunately didn't make the cut I'm hoping maybe in one of these spin-off series because I know Walking Dead they're going to keep profiting off of it <laughs> I'd love Greg to see them bring be, you in Greg is going to be in the UK and I'll, I'll sit down and have a little talk but <laughs> I can remember Greg called and said are you willing to audition there is a part I think you'd be just great for and I was living in Arizona as I am now. And he said, can you fly into Burbank tomorrow? So I got the sides 
memorized it, flew into Burbank, did one take of, of this film. And I said, did you want to do any others? Greg wasn't there, but they had the videographer. And I, I thought, golly, maybe, maybe I can be a part of this, even if just a little cameo or something or other. But you know the vagaries of the business. Yeah. If, if somebody says, no, nah, she's got her hair's too white. No, nah, I want a brown hair. <laughs> Whatever didn't happen. Oh, and unfortunately, but hopefully in the future, one of these spinoff series still include you. It's just because you're the original, the original lead role in it. I think it would be important for the horror fans, especially when you go to these conventions. And I know you love meeting the fans oh. and it's the fandom that this film has just garnered over the years. Some of the finest conversations I've had with fans of all ages Little ones, we're talking the age you were when you started watching, little ones, and then just into adulthood. It's especially exciting to talk to young men who still, they don't poo-poo this because it's not terribly sophisticated as far as special effects are concerned, but they will get into some of the deepest conversations about the characters and how things were filmed. What was it like with George? I sit at that table for hours just <laughs> talking up a storm. It's, it's probably one of the, the biggest perks I have received being a part of this legacy is talking to so many people who care, care about what we did. And I know that they also have the theory out there because we don't see any on-screen death of Barbara that maybe you survived. I know some people have thought that as well. <laughs> Interesting you should say that. <laughs> Do you know anything about Mac Cloud's filming? No. Is this Night of the Living Dead Genesis? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I did a little and bit that, of research that on that. hasn't come out. Uh, we did. We filmed that years ago. What? four, five years ago. And I'm sort of hoping because when Matt sent me the, the script, I, at first I thought, oh, it's just another remake. I don't, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't go that route. But there is a twist in the storyline that has to do with Barbara. And it, it just grabbed me. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to do that. We did. We shot. I think it was in North Carolina. We it had a we had a wonderful time. I was keeping my fingers crossed that it would uh, eventually be released. And many people have heard about it at the conventions. They'll come up and they say, "When when do you think we'll be able to see uh, Night of the Living Dead Genesis?" And I said, "I have no idea. I don't know if it'll ever come up." <laughs> I'm hoping it does so we can see Barbara and the, the legacy continue. You know, it, oh, be surprised, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be surprising. And, and just getting into the film, how was the ending shot when everyone's coming through the door? And Because I know you had to get worked up for that scene. Oh, and, and the, the, the most frightening scene for me, and, and believe me, I got scared a lot in the filming of this, was when... Johnny, 
you see his hand on the door frame. You see that driving glove. Glove. You see that face, and we we connect eyes. He grabs me, pulls me out amongst all those ghouls. That truly was one of the the most disturbing for me to film, because there I was in the middle, and all these people are just you know they're grabbing all over. You just lose reality in your mind and you get sucked into what is happening. That was a real scary moment. And just think that Mr. Cooper was right. Everyone should have went into the basement. And I actually heard that the basement was shot in an office in Washington, D.C. Really? I thought I thought a lot of that was done in a in the basement of latent image. Yeah, I think that's right. I think yeah. you're right about that. I think DC might have been the well, news DC reporting was, scene. of course, when yeah. we picked up the shots in the Capitol building. Yeah. But, no, I, I think uh, the majority of that was done. Latent image. Yeah, I think you're right on that. When I read it, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not right about a lot of things, Max, but every once in a while. Yeah. I, no, 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 you, you definitely you're, you're an expert on this. I mean, you're a part of history and, and thank you for your performance in this film. But I want to get into your other work because you didn't just do night. I mean, you went back to to California, I heard, and, and got involved in to some tech companies, I heard. I did. And it, I also did a lot of stage performing. Yeah, I continued working in, in musicals. I continued in drama and comedy. Lots of British drama for what claustrophobia. Uh, oh, that, yes. And young, hopeful filmmakers would get in touch over the decades and say, would you be willing to do this this bit? I had some wonderful times in every one of them that I did. One I got the biggest kick out of was it came from the ether. I played Miss Clara, old lady, oh, nose up it i had such fun doing that i even won a best supporting actress i heard about that i was just going to bring that congratulations on that i I was thrilled (laughs) but yeah i i would do films wherever they popped up but i also had to pay the mortgage and i had two children to raise and i was a single mom i began working during the day at uh, Hughes Aircraft Company. At that time, Hughes was privately owned by the Hughes um, Institute, Medical Institute. So all their monies would go into the development of these phenomenal, uh, for me, I started in, they had several groups, one of which was the radar systems group. I was hired. I had just finished a run of The Sound of Music. I I was lucky enough to play Maria in that. And uh, here I am coming into Hughes Aircraft Company with a resume that doesn't have anything to do with technology. But I I needed a job. Somebody had, had gotten me that interview. It was with a man named Mario Gama. Mario and I talked and I said, you're right, this this is what I have done. But Mario, if you give me a chance, I will do my best 
to make you happy. I didn't realize it. He, in his mind, said, I'm going to give her two weeks. If she doesn't cut it in two weeks, then she's out. I was hired as what they called a development planner. I had to look at the, the development plans for an F-18 radar. I had to figure out all the material looking at that plan that went into that radar. I had to order it. I had to get the kits together. I had to send them to the floor. When that radar was finished, you've never seen so somebody proud in your life <laughs> that I was able. And fortunately, uh, I didn't get fired. I continued to work at Hughes. And eventually I went into another group and became the head of their oral presentation training, which was really more up my alley, being uh, having worked so much on the stage. I was able to help wonderful engineers and, and executives feel more comfortable standing up and doing just what we are, communicating honestly with each other. It was the second career I never would have guessed I'd have. One of the most fulfilling along with my, my stage and performing. I've been a very, very fortunate woman. And I'm happy for your success and, and the fact that you, you're fortunate because I know a lot of people, sometimes they, they aren't grateful and they just are so focused on what's next or they don't, they don't, they don't, they aren't thankful for what has happened in their life. And it's always great to hear someone such as yourself be thankful and grateful for everything. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I had to chuckle. I had a six week course. Everybody came in for the, the first day of the course somehow some way somebody would find out about my having been in night of the living dead that would come up when we talk getting comfortable with each other in that first session that would come up it's you were really barbara night of the living dead and i'd say yes you know it was wonderful max People, now these people had education up the wazoo. And we're talking some of the, the, the biggest CEOs and I worked with a lot of those people. And yet they're knowing what I had done in that film made them more attentive to what I told them about presenting. In other words, it gave a validity more of a validity to what I was trying to help them with. You know, public speaking is one of the most uncomfortable things for so many of us on this planet. And so many of those people were uncomfortable. But my working with them, uh, whatever the reason, Night of the Living Dead was a helping hand for me. <laughs> And, and this formed O'Day Communications. Yes. Yeah. I formed it and I went off when I retired from Raytheon. I continued to teach uh, various places. In fact, they'd call me back as a contractor and I, I'd work for them. But um, and then fortunately uh, was lucky enough to continue making independent film and doing stage work on the side. It was uh, 
It was lovely. Uh, another one that you starred in, Ed Gein DDS. Say that again? Ed Gein DDS. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I had the, the craziest wig on doing that. Whoa. Yeah. What a story <laughs> that was. Played the mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, but now you're I still spend working. a lot of my time. Uh, I'm working on a screenplay, as a matter of fact. Yeah, for your short story, I heard. Doggone it, Ben, you've really done your research. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Now, uh, of course, that probably will never, ever see the light of day. Uh, no, we got, we got to speak ever. it into existence, because I know you, you want to see this eventually on the big screen. So the, the old woman and the alien. The old woman? And the alien, yeah, it, it was a story that took me a lot. I am not a writer, but I love words. I love how people can put them together in, in such magic, wonderful ways. I persevered, finished the story, put it on my website. And then I, I thought, golly, I, I would love to see this made. And not that I would be in it. I would just love to see it made. Uh, I think somebody could do a really cool, cool job with it. Is there any filmmakers, are there any filmmakers in mind that you think could adapt this into the vision that you see it to be? I, I haven't thought about that because I'm still in the midst of making a very rough draft, first draft of the screenplay. Um, no, I haven't thought about that, but I do know that there's so many wonderful independent young filmmakers who, who might be willing to at least take a read. <laughs> and uh, It's so much easier today to make film, as you well know, than it was when we were doing night. Here we were using film stock and uh, now you can take your iPhone and you can have magnificent shots. <laughs> it, what can be done with phones today just blow my mind. And digital cameras. Everything going digital has made such a difference. Yeah. No, it, it definitely has. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Conventions are big. I know you probably you mentioned you're going out to the UK, but do you remember your first convention when you started doing the convention scene? Oh, I, I don't think I could remember the first one, but I remember going to Chiller Theater okay. uh, Convention. Big, one of the biggest in the country every year. Uh, I was there. George Romero was there. I remember we had a Q&A. And a little girl, a little girl asked me a question. And I, I answered the question. When we finished Q&A, I saw her. And I, I said, could I ask you a question? And she said, okay. I said, what is it? What is it about horror that you like so much? And she said, I like to see all the different ways people can kill each other. <laughs> Scared the bejesus out of me. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Unbelievable. It's just <laughs> <laughs> the horror fans are one of a kind, but they're the most loyal out of any other genre movie. They're the most loyal. They are the most loyal ever. 
They are wonderful, wonderful people. And they have everything. It's amazing what they bring to conventions, things you never even see, the, the posters that are from different countries. and Oh, yeah. I have signed some unusual things, skull heads, and I, I cannot even tell you, coffins. I, I just, <laughs> uh, and, of course, T-shirts. Signing a T-shirt is a hard, hard yeah. thing to do, especially if you do the thing I do with my signature. But, uh, boy, I'll, I'll sign anything and I will take a selfie with anybody. There is no charge for that with me. Uh, in fact, I can remember the first, it must have been the first convention or it must have been Chile. I didn't know that I should charge anything. People were saying, well, aren't you getting any money for this? And I said, well, I, I, I've never done this. I don't know what to do. I think, I said, do you think $5 is too much to ask? Well, I, people were very willing to pay $5. And that's how I started making a little bit of royalty money. And I'll say royalty to it, but, uh, but I, I had no idea that it was the money-making thing that it is, these conventions all over the country. Um, I really, in all honesty, sure, it's wonderful to have that extra money. It's wonderful. But as I told you earlier, the biggest perk for me is being able to meet these people whose generations in their family have grown up with night and to be able to thank them because without that support and this is something i often often say without your support i wouldn't be here you have made this happen you have made the film uh, I, I i'm sure the fans would love to take credit but it was the performances as well well one of the most important things for me on any stage, whether it's in front of a camera or whether it's on an actual stage, is believability. I, I want so desperately to be believable. That's probably the, the finest compliment I have received over the years from people coming to conventions saying how they did believe I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. And thank you. Thank you, Judith. And before we close out, is there anything else you would love to let my listeners know? Anything else that you have on the way here that you're working on? I have a film that I'm keeping fingers crossed that may be coming out uh, next year. It's, um, it's called Kill Giggles. Take a look on YouTube for the trailer for it. Kill giggles. If you if you hate clowns, you're gonna love this film. <laughs> it's uh, by uh, Jason Buterin and his group. In fact, Jason was with me when uh, he he played a role in Night of the Living Dead Genesis. That's how we met. And then he called me when he was going to make Kill Giggles. And, Keep your fingers crossed. No, I'm 
I'm going to be peeping for this and looking forward to it. And yeah, uh, take a look at that trailer. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out on YouTube. Kill giggles. Make sure everyone listening out there go check that out as well. And how do you celebrate Halloween? What is your Halloween like, <laughs> tradition? Is it watching Night of the Living Dead? Is it handing out candy? What is it? No, it's it's shutting the lights off <laughs> and closing the blinds because for decades with my own children, I'd make Halloween costumes and read through <laughs> the, the candy bit, but Jude doesn't do that anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Judith, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show here tonight. It, it was an honor having you on the show here to talk about one of the greatest films ever made in Night of the Living Dead. Max, I want to thank you. This has been a wonderful, wonderful time talking with you. And the, the fact that you did as much research as you have done and know so much about the film brought so much to this interview. Thank you very much. That, I really appreciate that. And it's only my due diligence because this is all time great movie. In my opinion, it's, it's really just a piece of art. (laughs) I hope you have a wonderful Halloween and everybody out there who might be looking in. the same to you. Yes. Thank you so much, Judith. I appreciate it. And I look forward to the upcoming work that you have and just continuing on this legacy to my listeners and, seeing you at conventions and stuff. I look forward to seeing the the legacy continue on with Night of Living Dead. Thank you very, very much. You take care. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.